0: All right, welcome to Now This Is Podcasting. I'm Connor, and I'm here as always with Calvin. Hey. And we're joined again by Katya. Hello. Glad to have you back on. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about we're all going to the World's Fair today. This is a pretty small movie. We saw it at the sea in downtown Denver, which I always love going to because they have really cheap beer and uh, (laughs) almost no one is ever there. Uh, So it's a really kind of a cool viewing experience to to head down there. Except for when we went to see this one oh yeah there were like four people there instead of just us no
1: when we're all going to the world's fair um somebody rented out one of the theaters oh right yeah yeah for a documentary yeah our theater had almost no one in it yeah we yeah there was no one else watching they forgot our movie (laughs) didn't start
0: yeah they were because i remember i walked out to the bar i'd be like because no one there was no staff around just the bartender i was like hey it's been 15 minutes since our
1: showtime was supposed to start she was like oh my god let me go find someone They're, yeah, they were much more concerned about all of the people in fancy clothes, and there's like two hundred people. Yeah, yep. there was. I was like, oh my gosh, did we, did we come on a premiere night for this? No, there was seven people yeah. in our theater. <laughs>
2: Kevin's like, are we gonna get tickets? <laughs> yeah, am I?
1: Oh, were we one of the the small, the the few that knew about this amazing event, and everyone else is like, oh, wow, we got to join in. Right. Like, <laughs> we were gonna be a part of something. Now we were just in the way, yeah. <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Uh, so
0: this was written and directed by Jane Schoenbrunn. It had its release at the Sundance Film Festival and then it got its theatrical release just recently, which is why we went and saw it. It's only an hour and 26 minutes and uh, I thought it was like, it didn't like, wasn't until it was like maybe a couple hours later or a day later and I was like, man, this was like really grabbed me. I, it's a much more interesting story than I think meets the eye and the trailer certainly doesn't help that. It's, uh, it's not what I expected, uh, but it was still something I was uh, really interested in.
2: When I was watching the movie... I was underwhelmed. But I think part of it was because the trailer kind of, it made me think it was going to be like this kind of old school horror film, like with things I think that scared it, you. And it wasn't scary in that sense.
0: I think the trailer would lead you to believe you're getting into like a, the first paranormal activity yeah. or like a Blair Witch Project. Or like, like Host. Did any of <laughs> no. you see Host? I saw this movie no. compared to Host. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: It's, uh, it's basically they do a seance over Zoom. Right. Mm. And... Yeah, so no, there's, there's just no lights because everyone's just using their laptop. Yeah. It's that very that same aesthetic, but that movie was stupid. Whereas this one is <laughs> like, <laughs> this one is, I I love this movie because it reminded me so much of making my own student films with my terrible equipment. Like, okay, how do I make something interesting at all? And a lot of times it just comes down to good execution. Like, if you want to understand, um. Where you can start as a as a filmmaker, this is such a great place because they use the natural uh, sound recording from just a laptop. They, um, I mean, maybe they used better equipment, but they certainly designed it to seem like this mm-hmm. was lower budget stuff, um, including like like as if they were using webcams off of the cameras. I'm almost sure that they weren't, but they were placed in ways that you make you that you would, it would make you think that they are.
0: It looked like things were like recorded on cell phones too. Like, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of that. Mm-hmm. I definitely i. When the movie ended, I leaned over to you and I remember asking, I was like, this is what I think a really good student film looks like. Yeah. And that's not a knock against this film because I think you hear student film and you're like, oh, like crappy. I yeah. think of it or more. Like
1: trying, I think the thing is, is like when we say student film, I think a lot of people think of like someone trying to imitate Hollywood and doing it poorly. Right. And to be fair, there, there are plenty of uh, people that like... Um, the school I went to was heavy into experimental filmmaking. And there was one kid that uh, was inspired to go to film school uh, because of Michael Bay. And we would always just look at him like, what are you doing here? Why? <laughs> <laughs> We're working with cyanotype prints in, right. in a dark room. Like, We did almost no digital um, after effects or anything. anything. There was like one elective that you could have taken for that. But it was more like, um, here are the basic understandings. Like, here's basically how you record sound, what a, a lighting setup is, how cameras work. But we did a lot of... Uh, work in film which is very unusual for most modern uh, film courses because now everything is so is so video intensive because it's such a great way to get into filmmaking Mm -hmm. It's so cheap. You're just paying for rather than money for the supplies You're paying in time for editing and you just have so much more stuff to look at
2: Well, I think what's cool like listening some interviews from Jane I think that's what she was going for or they were going for They wanted to do something on a low budget They wanted to make it good, and they didn't want to compromise anything. So it's like the difference between being a kid and doing what you can with what you have and being like a professional that decides to say, I don't want to do anything different. I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. So I'm doing this as cheaply as possible. And Mm -hmm. then everything can be my vision, and like I can put across the message I want. And then after that, if I make bigger movies, cool, but they're going to know who I am and what I'm about. Right. I'm not gonna like take all their money and then do what they want and
1: and make compromises. It out. Yeah, I think that's the biggest problem that we have with uh, the Northmen. Yeah, is you can see all of the compromises that were made. That movie has like the look of a Robert
0: Eggers movie, but like none of like the dialogue and narrative like a uh, flow that
1: is like so important to his movies. Yeah, there's none of the psychology, <laughs> yeah. there's none of the narrative, there's none of the substance that make uh his movies what they are. It's it's yeah. so sad to see that. It certainly what, looks good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. let's throw 50 50 million more dollars at at your budget and you actually make a, a lesser product. Yeah. I mean, I think it maybe it's a little more streamlined. The story makes a little bit more sense. You hit a wider obvi- audience and make a ton of money. But I don't know. I just feel like it's overall unengaging. Yeah. And when I compared
0: this movie to a student film, I meant it mostly in terms of budget. This mm-hmm. movie looks and feels like a low budget movie, but like mm-hmm. I said, it reminds me of like a really good low budget yeah. movie. I mean, I like this movie, I won't say moves at like a snail's pace, but it certainly is not uh, like electrifying. It's
1: not uh Blumhouse horror or anything like that.
2: There's like a 12 minute shot. Yeah.
1: yeah. That, that opening shot. Oh, it just grabbed me. I was like, I, I, my, Throughout so many points in this film, like my my jaw was just wide open. It really was. (laughs) Yeah, you you gave me such crap about that. Like I didn't think that was interesting at all, and you just like happened. Yeah, like you just couldn't. It looked like you couldn't breathe the whole movie. But I just think that because of this aesthetic, because of how you make when you make a movie look like this, make it look cheap. It's so easy to fall into the territory of it being hokey of it being um a lesser product because your aesthetic was trying to be simple so you don't have these things to to make up for the fact that what you shot wasn't interesting or engaging or authentic you don't have the editing you don't have the music you don't have this really expressionistic lighting you just have a girl in a room with just like some lamps they're very it's very naturalistic um it's very uh low quality um it's, it's meant to look like an actual teenage girl's room. And that is hard when you limit yourself like that from an aesthetic, it is hard to pull everything off and make it feel so real. So that's why I was just like, cause I made films like that. I was like, wow. I mean, part of it is like me watching myself on the screen. Like this is stupid. Yeah. I don't know if anybody else thinks this, but don't worry. I'll, I'll point it out before anybody <laughs> else
0: says anything. All right. So before we move on any further, let's give like a little synopsis on what the film is about. It starts out with this girl, like we said, opens up with her in front of her laptop and she's going to do the World's Fair challenge, which I don't know if you guys are into like Internet culture, like horror on the Internet or like creepypasta and stuff like that. There's all kinds of it's its own like big community of people who like kind of reach out and connect and share these stories. And it's all like this very odd but very engaged group of people who kind of get into this, you know, this kind of horror and so she's going to go through this and then kind of document the changes she goes through through her own uh, like YouTube channel or some video platform. They didn't use YouTube because I'm assuming they couldn't license it. Mm. But it, yeah. it's it's looks it's just totally like it. YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. And then just through throughout her kind of journey posting these videos, another uh, someone else reaches out to her with their own video saying like you're in trouble, like we need to talk. And they kind of build their own connection through it. And the movie is really cool and how it kind of keeps building up the kind of intensity of the video she's posting. Mm -hmm. And then there's kind of a little twist at the end, which I don't really want to want to kind of save. But uh, that's like essentially the story here. It's not horror. It's not jump scare horror, certainly. I I really like how this movie paced it out. And I really like that this movie isn't like exposition heavy. And it just like lets you kind of sit in it and you're moving along with the character, which is, uh, I think is a great part of how they use the cameras and everything and, and like the equipment, like the laptops and the phones. All that mm-hmm. stuff like plays a bigger role in this movie than I think you would realize after like uh just, just like taking the book uh taking the movie like uh, looking at it as a what am I what am I saying? The book with a book's <laughs> cover?
2: What is that phrase?
0: Judging a book by its cover. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Wait,
1: that's why we do a movie There's podcast. A movie,
2: <laughs> this movie is nothing like a book cover. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness.
0: <laughs> I think it'd be really easy to just judge this movie just Initially, you view it, and then you're like, "Okay, this just wasn't a good scary movie." But there's a lot of stuff that goes into it that tells like a pretty like robust story, I
1: think.
2: Yeah, and you feel Mm -hmm. weird afterwards. You feel really weird. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I do think that the opening scene, which is really just the opening shot, which I want to say is at least five minutes, I think that really says everything you need to know about where your expectations should be uh, as far as what kind of movie this is. It's yeah, I don't think that you can have a movie move that slow, a horror movie move that slow for right. a traditional audience. So that should be your first clue to tell you that this is not a traditional horror story. This is not geared for traditional horror fans. So if that's what you're expecting, you know, unfortunately, the trailer looks like it should be a little bit more... Certainly. I yeah. thought that. Yeah. I was expecting something like really, like either violent or heady or just wildly psychological mm-hmm. uh, for the horror elements. And what I find so interesting about this is just how mundane everything really is. Yeah, yeah. I
0: definitely thought that uh, that that whole opening scene just—it's her, and you just see the. Her room behind her. I kept looking around in the background, like, "Oh, something gonna move, something gonna mm-hmm. fall," because yeah. that's like my dumb American horror brain. Yeah. That's like, there must be something scary happening in the background. I must be missing something. There's gonna be something hidden in every scene. That would be so yeah. wild. And Where's that's their clue. Or yeah. Whatever.
2: Like I kept watching, like, "Oh, now we're on this side. Now we're on that side." I'm like, "Oh well, it's probably just like the way she's moving her camera." Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and but it's, it's, it, it yeah. seems to mean
0: something. To, but the movie essentially has none of that because this isn't a paranormal movie. It's not about like a conjuring spirits or anything like that. It's it ends up just it's just a story. And so that's what I, I found really interesting about it. But yeah, like you said, unfortunately, the trailer is cut together to make it look like something scary and sinister is taking place here. And it's really not.
1: Yeah, but
2: it really is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I'm, ble- I'm pleasantly surprised that it's not what I thought it was. Yeah, I, it's, it, I think it's much better than what I thought it was going to be, um, mm-hmm. which is. That doesn't seem to be the case for a lot of a lot of these. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, maybe that was the, with the with the Green Knight. The Green Knight ended up being a lot more uh, heady than I was expecting. But the trailer the trailer made it seem like he was fighting giants. I still don't know what the giants mean. Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea.
0: Uh, so I kind of want to move into some of the aesthetic. Then uh, you had been mentioning that before we gave our a little synopsis. Uh, the music is all done by Alex G. He does this like really, it's this really great like kind of acoustic song, kind of these ethereal voice in it. And it's mm. just wonderful. It's it's he did all the music for it. And I, I told Calvin, I was like, I think you'd like this. It's weird, but I think you would like this band. No, you you the way you said <laughs> it at like, first, it's like it's not bad. Yeah, okay. But I it's think it's weird you like it. Yeah, but I think you <laughs> like it. <laughs> which, which wasn't meant to like be a diss or anything. I just you have a unique taste in, in music. And I, I listened to the song that's in like the opening credits for this movie like four times today. It's it's wonderful. Uh, but his genre is described as indie rock, bedroom pop, indie folk. <laughs> And slacker rock. I have heard of one of those genres. So. I love right. slacker
2: rock. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's funny. My
0: favorite is bedroom pop. Yeah, yeah I, I don't wonder too, what that I
2: guess. is.
1: I, yeah, I just imagine, like, yeah, everything seems to be like on YouTube, like music, like the lo fi hip hop yeah. genre, which sure, is just yeah. like that. Uh...
2: Do other things while listening to this music.
0: Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> it's like, it's the new, like, white noise. Yeah, it, it is. just <laughs> something you throw on in it's, the background. It's a generational white noise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but We're yeah, hi fi hip-hop yeah when when uh, our kids are born high five that's it
0: oh <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah i love the music in this uh i, I thought it was great and that it's all like original for this movie i thought it was pretty cool yeah and then the next thing i wanted to talk about was the use of the cameras which we kind of touched on already you have the the laptop camera she's used her phone and then i think the other interesting thing is i think the movie essentially starts out with us as the observer we're viewing casey Through her own like media or whatever through her own laptop Mm -hmm. and then later on in the film we're like a subject in the room with her we're watching her watch stuff on her youtube on on her youtube channel or on the laptop and then there's a really great part it's like five or six minutes where now we're just watching like youtube videos about the world's fair yeah and i love how like that progression of that takes place for the viewer it's like we start out as observer we become more involved with the story until eventually like we are now in the same position as casey's in and I love how that worked. I, I thought it was like really masterfully done. And if you got bored at this point and you're like, I'm just watching YouTube videos, this is dumb. It's like this great way to involve you in the story without a big exposition dump. It's, it engages you as the viewer. You care about this kind of stuff and this research about the World's Fair as much as she does. And it's like it's five minutes of watching YouTube videos and it could seem really dumb. But I think if you really paid attention to the, the story that's being built as a whole, it's like one of the most important parts of the whole movie
1: to me. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I totally agree. I think that it, it really simulates an actual uh, rabbit hole that you can go down on YouTube and find. I mean, certainly. <laughs> I mean, there's just the algorithm is so so dark the way it can mm-hmm. completely change someone's mind. Or like, I remember finding stuff on like on flat Earth and hollow Earth theory like back of, like late college, and I was like, ah, oh, I guess I suppose they could do the math for. I mean, they would have figured all of this out already. No, this is just so dumb. But the fact that it came up like, and I wasn't, I was looking for like anime like yeah. why do i is why am i watching now i see why yeah. like, those things yeah. seem to go yeah. in yeah. hand in hand for some reason one of my, my
0: guilty pleasures is to look up flat earth channels and, and watch <laughs> them. oh I, I love it i it is like just fascinating to me like the mental gymnastics is like impressive on its own yeah, yeah. Uh, like i truly i truly think flat earth channels on youtube are like a gem well, <laughs> because they're just so funny like,
2: yeah i want to give a shout out to kevin in memphis because he refused to uh, sell Diet Coke to anyone as a server and also believed Flat Earth.
0: Hey, well, good for you. Okay, that's good. I mean, I like the, a lot going taking for taking a stance. Yeah. So <laughs> any other soda he would sell but, like, not Diet Coke. Not
2: Diet Coke. <laughs> <So> no, <laughs> not Diet Coke. You could order that from someone else. But so if they soda. just
1: wanted a Coke, he'd be like, okay, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, Coke is fine. Coke, <laughs>
2: Coke is fine.
0: That's such a Coke weird place
1: fine. to draw the line.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I no. think
1: that's such an interesting point that you make about The perspective's changing i didn't notice that as much at first um but how we move the the camera to change perspective about when we're when we're an audience member of casey when we're watching casey perform when we're uh watching casey put everything up before she performs Mm -hmm. and when we are casey actually figuring out like why we got to this point in this 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 way of thinking in the first place right
2: so I got a little caught between like in that first shot between feeling like a subscriber watching her and feeling like her webcam that she was watching. Like mm. was I w- I've got stuck between feeling like oh I'm the subscriber watching or I'm just her watching her own reflection. Yeah, because so I think thing. she did restart uh her intro. Yeah, yeah multiple so, that, time.
1: so that's a, that's a good point too is yeah. like whether she was whether we were yeah, which one were we at that point? Were we one of the the audience members design in the design product in the end yeah. or were we still just a fly on the wall like looking at the process
2: yeah i think we could be either yeah or i think either. it works either yeah, way yeah. i think the whole point was to pull you into like caring about her emotionally even though she wasn't really giving a lot like we don't really know anything about her
0: yeah, I you know. I felt for her immediately. Yeah. I cared about her when she started pricking her finger. I was mm. like
1: cringing. I was like, uh, oh my god. Oh my gosh, yeah. I was like, wow. She just like I I think once. Yeah. Probably one like, one good one would probably yeah. do like not thirty. Oh my god. I, think I, just, I like, like clenched my fist. I was like, please stop. <laughs> yeah, I think that was the most horrible part in the whole movie. You're actually. right. That's the most like, violent. That's the gr- that's the graphic the scene the of the film. Yeah. yeah. I, at first, partly because I thought it was a it was a pop socket. I was like, okay, that's weird. Or like little medallion. Like, oh this part of the World's Fair, and then she turned around and showed a No, it's a like pin. a pin that little emo yeah. kids put on their yeah. backpack. Yeah, and I was like, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> and then she just like went to town, and if that was real, like That'd that happen. is incredible acting, because she just did. Yeah. Although her hand, her left hand did dip below the outside of the camera, so it's more likely that she just probably... Oh, okay, I didn't um, catch that. Yeah, she probably dipped it in something red, and that was where the, the blood came from, but...
2: Well, can they make you stab yourself?
1: I mean, no. What's his name? Wolf, the kid from uh, Hereditary. <laughs> from Hereditary, uh, he yeah. wanted to break his nose for that. What? Film. Like, <laughs> yeah. So there's a part where uh, you you've seen Hereditary, right?
2: Yes. Yeah. So he yeah. gets
1: he gets possessed in the classroom and slams his head in the desk. Oh,
2: like mm, mm. Yeah. So he wants to actually break his. He nose. he wanted he yes. was he
1: was telling uh, Ari Aster he's like no I want to break my actual but he nose. could like
2: kill himself yeah or, Like, and break Ar- his brain
1: yeah Ari was like. Uh,
2: no
0: <laughs> yeah. it ended up not they, not they put a pad down for him but
1: I, yeah. some actors just want to like really do it he, no he it dislocated his jaw though that's still. true yeah. <laughs> crap he yeah. dedicated to his craft that's for sure he probably he was in old right too he probably was like trying to age himself quicker yeah
2: yeah it's like get on but this girl Anna Cobb like watch them it inter- she was a totally different person in real life it's like kind of one of those movies where you think because it's like this kind of documentary style movie like authentic. found footage authentic mm. movie you're like oh all these people are just like kind of like they are in real life all these people meaning the two people and the one back of a person we see mm. they're like who they are in real life but she was not that at all
1: that's so like strange.
2: watching like videos of her actual t- she's super bubbly and like charismatic
1: that's so strange. For Which a while, I, yeah, I couldn't figure out. Like half, like halfway through the movie, I was like, there were certain points where her face looked like the girl from Stranger Things, mm. and I was like, this can't be it. No, no, is, no it's she. A doesn't have the right accent. Um,
2: she did have kind of a strange accent sometimes too. Yeah,
1: it was. Uh, it was flipped. very interesting. But did she have that accent in her any of her interviews?
2: Not really. I think it's more of like that, like like the stilted. I don't you know like that kind of like yeah
1: that preteen stutter.
2: yeah you're like thinking about everything you're like swallowing your words kind of accents like not really an accent.
1: Yeah you're just kind of mumbling because you're so unsure of yourself.
2: Yeah and you're nervous.
1: Yeah
0: no I I definitely I took some notes on Anna Cobb. I thought she was great. I I think it's really impressive to see someone who essentially has zero interaction with any other character uh, in the in the entire film. She I mean they have like conversations through Skype Mm -hmm. and they communicate through videos they make but there's no interpersonal communication really between her and any other character and I think it's impressive like she's like 18 when they film this so I think that's pretty cool to like come onto a stage and essentially just sit in front of a laptop and they're like okay go mm-hmm. and she pulls off like authentic awkward lonely teen all complete with cringy youtube video channel like I, I thought it was perfect everything about th- everything about her character felt like really genuine really real to me which I think is like a big part of what made this movie work so well to me is how real it all felt even though, and it's even like lent to that, the fact that there isn't really a supernatural or paranormal activity going on in it. No. So it it makes, it lends more to the authenticity. It made her character feel more real to me. So yeah, I I loved her in this. I would be excited to see her in more films. I think she was great.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I guess we're kind of moving into what this movie is really about then, you know? I think we've talked enough about what it isn't. What makes this movie so great? So I wanted to...
0: Start with like kind of the some of the inspiration for this. Uh, mm. When the film ended, I told Calvin, I was like, this reminds me a ton of this documentary I saw. It's called Beware the Slender Man. It's yeah. on HBO, and it talks about this uh, like really tragic story. The stabbing that took place in uh, Waukesha County in Wisconsin in 2014. Uh, two girls kind of lure their friend out into the woods, and they stab her because the Slender Man told them to they think it'll please him and if you're unaware of this this is kind of a buildup of like creepypasta stuff you know like kind of internet horror which again I told you I'm like kind of into but it was sort of started out as this uh, this character that was edited into like photos it's a really tall man faceless man with the suit on and it started out just as like a Photoshop thing and then eventually just the internet grabbed hold of it and started building all this lore around this character and that to me felt a lot like what this movie was like the World's Fair was just kind of a thing That Someone made up a story about and then all of a sudden like YouTube gets a hold of it and and teens are like brought in and And that this is kind of the culture that is really dominated by like teens -teens. Mm preteens And so and and those like people in like fringe groups And I think that's exactly the character that Casey is is someone who is not in an in group She's kind of a loner It's portrayed really well how lonely she is because like you don't even see her father in this It's just like bits of his voice or like her leaving the room when she sees he's coming home Mm -hmm. So this is a really isolated person and so I thought that's what the story of this movie was. is It was talking about like these really isolated groups of people who will still innately need to have human interaction. And they'll go about it in an unconventional way through internet horror stories.
1: Yeah. And there's also another one that I read as inspiration. It's called The Whale Suicides. And then this one is a little bit more of an urban myth than it is a real thing. Because it doesn't sound like anyone's ever actually found any evidence of it. But so the myth is is that there are um there's a pro-suicide forum where someone can go and uh over 30 days someone will guide them through the process of what it would uh that will ultimately kill themselves let's see they just they have them do like crazy stunts each day for 30 days and then they have them carve a whale into their forearm and then kill themselves I could see how that that tracks
0: with this movie really well because it's not really her harming herself it doesn't seem but it's the video she's making leads you to believe that she's going to harm her father
1: Uh, does it oh Oh, yeah that's right i forgot about that i thought
2: it did but i also well we'll talk about that later i initially thought it was her father but i also think it's jlb the guy that she's talking to okay yeah i think she's saying she's gonna kill hurt him okay so I have more to say on that later oh yeah because I (laughs) want to (laughs) get theories towards the end because I think there
0: I think this movie is it's it's ambiguous enough yeah and it's it's not trying to hold the viewer's hand the whole time to where you can still come up with your own ideas on it for sure like I've I've some theories on JLB for sure Mm -hmm. yeah
2: and I'll listen so I'll Whale. Whale. I found that so weird that she actually like put blood on the screen which initially like led me like, Oh, this is lore, this is myth, like this screen is not like gonna absorb your blood or anything like that.
1: Yeah, I mean they're it's not even a touch screen. <laughs> no.
2: It, it can't be. <laughs> right. But like listening to Jane talk about some things, it sounded like creepypasta was like her thing or their thing. That was where they found like they it's always so interesting to hear that people listen to horror or like read horror to like calm down. Like it's their happy place kind of. Sure. Yeah, like I, I mean that's writing. what metal is for me. Yeah, that's always so strange for me as like someone who <laughs> likes sunshine and rainbows and like acoustic guitar. I like I like black rainbows. <laughs> black rainbows. But like a big part of this movie was yeah, like like what does it mean to what does it mean to be yourself in this world where yourself doesn't make sense to you? Like what is she actually doing in real life? She's walking around this wasteland that we get to see in the credits, like of closed down Toys R Us and like, I love the that auto shot. Zone. That was yeah. my favorite. Yeah.
0: Having the Toys yeah. R Us pop up at the beginning. I was like, Oh, that's perfect.
2: That's like what her town is. Yeah. It's yeah. just like this modern America industrial ghost town.
1: Yeah. My, yeah. My favorite part was when she was, uh, look where we are today, guys. And she was just <laughs> standing on the side of the street. <sighs> oh, so and then she like hand <laughs> over, she, like zoomed in across the street. Like, did I that get that great. jingle
2: stuck in my head all the time. Like, get in the zone, auto zone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: that was, like, the biggest reason why I um, uh, went ad-free because I couldn't stand those jingles anymore.
2: <laughs> I love them. Uh, so, yeah, like, how do you be yourself and, like, where do you be yourself? Is it online? Is it in real life? Uh, is the person you're online real? Like, is what she's doing real or is it her performing? Right. Where is she performing? Mm-hmm. What does she want to be? And, like... Who is she and does she know and does she care and how aware is she of what she's doing, like physically and mentally and emotionally?
1: And I think it's really interesting what this movie brings up, the idea of who you are in an online space and whether that's the same thing as who you are in real life. Because in a lot of ways, you could say it's just an extension of yourself, but it's so it's it exists in such a small vacuum that even though it might be yourself, it's such a weird way of of people seeing you that way that it exists separately, which is, I mean, that's that's a really h- hard concept. I think this is one thing that this movie does so well for me is it actually in- explores the idea of the internet and of how people deal with technology. I mean, because every movie is just like, uh, iPhones, bad, social media, gross. Yeah. And then like... What does that actually mean to the average human? Mm-hmm. It doesn't like you're you're talking about like most of those movies are just like old uh, boomer six year old or even like Gen X is like fifty year olds like oh everyone's got their face glued to their phones like okay but like mm-hmm. there's there are so many different ways that you can engage with with the internet and you can engage with technology and this is I think this is what's what's so great is it feels like there's gonna be that, like, there are dark intentions uh, of the internet, on the internet, and some people are just using them to get by, like, just because they're so lonely, so isolated, yeah. and so sad.
0: Yeah, I definitely, we should bring up JLB, who's yeah. really the other character in this movie. I was not expecting there to be kind of a perspective shift mm-hmm. in this film. I thought it was going to follow Casey the whole time. Mm-hmm. That's sort of how the trailer set it up to be. And I love the, the crossover. They're both on, like, the Skype conversation, and the, the camera starts on... Uh, Casey's computer and then it changes to JLB's and then it like pans out and it's it, now you're in his perspective Uh were you guys expecting it to be like a young man I was thinking like someone in their 20s or something like that it's like an old yeah. guy like an older guy yeah I
1: guess I just yeah. assumed because of the uh
2: the sketch and the voice.
1: Yeah, just because it, oh. mostly because of the sketch, it felt very creepypasta, which feels generational. Which yeah, I, I would not imagine someone who's in their late 40s, early 50s. Yeah, his voice yeah. had like a falsetto quality to it, where I, I just yeah. thought he was going to be a younger man. Well, it was also modulated.
0: Was
2: it? Uh, oh no, I don't think so. I think it was his anxiety.
0: Yeah. He was, oh, like, you're right. He was no. talking like
2: he was very nervous all the time. But also, I listened to a podcast and something about it, or they kind of insinuated that his avatar was a creepypasta thing yeah i would basically the same like very similar to a creepypasta meme
1: yeah that's what i that's the way i interpreted it yeah.
2: yeah which i thought was like i don't know initially i think if i'd seen this movie a couple years ago i would have felt like oh that's weird that he doesn't have his video on and she does like i would have felt so weird by that but at this point, I've had so many meetings and calls where someone else hasn't turned their video on that I just oh, think that's it's such normal. a good point. Like yeah. I'm like that doesn't really bother me because like I've had interviews <laughs> with people who haven't turned their
0: yeah.
1: flipping videos yeah. on. You told me about that. Yeah,
2: like the yeah. I'm just like, why did you ask me to video call you if you were just gonna talk? talk? Yeah, just have a like, phone call. Just call me. Yeah. That's so much easier. Now I feel like uh, I have to be on the video.
1: Yeah, and at what point? Display. Yeah, what at what point do you're like. Do I do I turn my video off? Yeah,
2: because I'm gonna go get a soda or go to the bathroom.
1: Well, I mean, like especially if they don't. Or have, just in general. Yeah, if they, yeah. if no one else has their video, you're just the only one in that meeting. Like, yeah, with your is. video on, like so weird. Is it is it is it a faux pas of me to close it now? Exactly. Or just go vo- voice only.
2: You feel like it is. It's like taking your pants off in public once you've already realized everyone else like has their pants off. But can you take <laughs> yours off. It's just like that. <laughs> 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 But yeah, I thought it was very. I still don't really understand why it switched to JLB's perspective. Like, I'm. It's interesting that we got to see anything of him and his life at all,
0: I think. I think when you kind of see how the movie ends and you find out more stuff about Casey, it makes his involvement, like Calvin was talking about, like, how do we interact with the internet? What do we use it for? Are we putting a persona forward? Are we being our true selves? I think JLB is like, that's who he actually is. We'll get into theories. I think something really (laughs) traumatic happened to him. And he thinks this stuff is real, and so his he cares for Casey genuinely, and he cares about what happens to people who get involved with the World's Fair, and I think I think he's genuine, and his way he interacts with the internet and this community mm-hmm. is to do research and warn people and like be a, a a shoulder for them to lean on. So I actually think like the way he interacts with it is is totally different than the way Casey is interacting yeah. with it, and that's why I think kind of the changing changing perspectives. And giving an idea on how he's struggling with the World's World's Fair and the way Casey's struggling with the World's Fair are actually totally different. So I actually, I I liked the introduction of that character and taking time away from Casey to show what he's going through.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. I don't really, yeah. It's just like, why does he decide, who does he decide to care about, like, in the World's Fair? And if he really cares about the game, like, what is he actually doing in real life? What content is he putting out to play the game? Is that his role in playing the game, just to warn people? So I don't so, think he's
0: ever, I don't think he's done the ritual. He just oh, sees other he's people not. post vi- videos, and he's like, and then he reaches out to them. Gotcha. To yeah. Kind I of mean, be a person there for If them. we
1: want to get into it right now, we can, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I say, let's let's get into some of our I Because I think you and I, yeah. like, especially when we walked out of the theater, we had the same thoughts. You know, we haven't actually said this yet, but... <laughs> I mean, you can go ahead. You're the one that's been teasing this. Yes, uh, yes. So this is very...
0: th- this. My, my main theory is that I think JLB has uh, a child, a son or a daughter, who participated in the World's Fair, and they either something they committed suicide or they committed some kind of violent act, something that got them incarcerated, something like that. And this man has like lost his family as a result of that because we see JLB in a room with a computer that looks like a child's room. It's got trophies up like on the mantel, uh it's it, untouched yeah it, it looks way too small i mean we get a good view of this guy's house it's huge and
1: he's there yeah, it's all a cleaner, by himself. yeah we think or at least some distant spouse who doesn't interact with it all i assume
0: that everyone anyone we see in the background of his house is like staff or something because uh, what yeah, i think is same. is like this tragic thing happened it, he had a child who interacted with the world's fair took it too seriously and harmed himself or someone else, and now he's lost everything.
1: I think they killed. I think he killed himself. I think that's why he specifically tells Casey at the end, uh, "Don't do it." Yeah,
0: you know, I, I I agree with that. And I think as a result of that, like he his wife left him, you know, and, and so now his his obsession, the way he, the way he copes with that, is to just be online, and to try and help other people who, you know, he yeah. fears that they'll have the same reaction to the world's fair as his child did. Mm-hmm. Because I just think there's too much there's too much just set up in the background. You know, why is this guy in a tiny room with, you know, a child's bed in it and trophies? It's not an office. so A lot just, of
2: glass clowns? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> um, but I think that also makes sense of, like, uh, the desktop of the computer that he's at. When we see all of the other notes, it looks like he's saying he has other scripts, other things to say to other people. It's like he is just searching World's Fair videos and making... V- I mean, the other part of the horror uh, that happens in this movie is when um, Casey is just watching the autoplay on YouTube and a video comes up with her and a message for her from JLB. And he's just trying to scare her because, oh, hey, by the way, you're playing a game, but this is way more real than you think. right? And I think that's, like, he actually genuinely cares about her. And that's why, like, at the end, like... You could get maybe uh, creepy vibes, pedophilia vibes or like I didn't buy grooming vibes. But I don't think that's yeah. really the case because it's it's insinuated that he genuinely just cares about a lot of people, not just her. But to yeah. make it a convincing story, you really just have to focus on one person. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: I think the only thing that made it feel like that, though, was the sticky notes on his computer Like because we don't see anything else. Like, that he cares about other people. But the first time he reach out reaches out to her, he's very clear, like, this is the game. We are only talking in the game. Like, I never got creepy vibes from either. The first time I saw him, I, I thought he was a therapist, honestly, that was, like, reaching out to people. Because you just see him from the side at his computer <laughs> yeah. looking like this, like, middle-aged, clean man. And you're like, oh. And he's, like, rubbing his face. And you're like, oh, he's worried about another kid getting mm-hmm. swept up in this so i did think he cared but then the more it went on the more confusing it was so i was unsure the whole time like
1: what i think he was that's really more doing. yeah and i think that's more of just a, a language of film thing that the, yeah. everything is reinforced by the images that were shown the context were shown his actions in that you don't necessarily i for i didn't actually need the desktop with the other um sticking notes or anything on it i think it just it gives um more context for the scope of his concern but i think just having him in a child's bedroom that where the bed is always made and everything's immaculate you see no child though right. in this giant house i think that's all that we really need to know that the way that you process you can process images and uh motivations yeah. to know that that's why he's doing the things that he's doing right
2: do you guys want to hear a fun fact
1: Oh, dang, that's usually my thing, oh but I'm excited. God. I'm usually not on the other end of these. This is wonderful. I got, I got weirded out hearing that <laughs> from someone else's voice.
2: <laughs> Fun fact. <laughs> so uh, Jane Schoenbrunn, when they were a kid, you know, creepypasta was a thing. They had this whole thing about um, they had a relationship with this like 30 old guy that was reaching out and being super like clingy huh. and everything and, like, was super crazy, it might be slightly based on this, like, somebody older reaching out to a needy kid, because I definitely didn't, I didn't get pedophile vibes, like, when she said that at the end, and he got all freaked out, it didn't really make sense to me, but the whole idea that an older person is, like, reaching out to somebody with such necessity, like, I'm gonna call you, call you, call you, call you, call you, that doesn't, Like, at that point, it felt like it was crossing the line between, okay, I care about you. I want to, like, just keep tabs on you and, like, I'm obsessed with you. Like, I'm watching all 10 hours of you sleeping and making videos about it. Like, at what point does genuinely caring about somebody cross the line? Because for me, like, watching a 10-hour video of someone sleeping, like, that doesn't seem like...
1: It borders on obsession in in, in an unhealthy way.
0: Yeah I think you can have obsession and not be a pedophile I mean I to me that indicates like a Yeah no some, I don't think there's some pedophile. kind of sexual need I think yeah he's he's Made things uncomfortable and he's crossed the line. But uh, yeah, the pedophile line at the end, I was like, well, you haven't really built your character to be that way. No. So for him to be described that way at the end, I didn't think made a lot of
1: sense.
2: But he also did that weird thing where he like did her voice when he was giving the like, this is what happened. And like, oh, I'm so happy. Like
1: That was, he was really a- weird. That
2: was the creepiest part to me. I'm like, oh, if you're acting her voice, like this didn't happen. So I'd, And uh, yeah. you made this narrative up. and
0: Exactly. That's exactly what I think. Mm-hmm. That story at the end is created. Because he needs to have closure to know that things did turn out well for her. I, because he is so concerned. He is worried about her being swept up in the World's Fair. And so he's created a story that he's going to put out on his YouTube channel or, or whoever's listening to him. Or maybe he's just saying it to himself. Maybe he just needed to go through some cathartic experience where he's made up this story where things turn out okay between them. And things turn out okay for her. But I do think that that story at the end is made up. I don't think he ever met with her in New York and that things turn out no. okay.
1: Yeah, You uh. Okay. you want another level of uh theory <laughs> yes <laughs> in the spirit of creepy pastas I don't think Casey exists mm. oh that's great I like that I like that idea a lot i I, I think that because it means so many of those what is the there's uh one um there's a subreddit where uh people write horror stories, and the only rule on it is uh everything here is absolutely real, even though it's not we pretend it is or something it's something along those lines and i can't remember what it is but all of those stories feel so authentic and i think that's kind of the why when he's um making that story up at the end and putting it in her voice that we we get either that he's a strange weird dude that does care about someone that's you know that's a nuanced thing of human behavior or it's because she's a character within his own mind and he's just acting these out because he doesn't see a difference between them.
0: Yeah, no, I like that idea a lot. There is a dumber version of this movie where he tells that story and then there's like a, a the camera pans over his shoulder to the, the computer monitor and he writes like the end, at the end of like a Word document uh, and it turns out it was just a story he yeah. made up. I think that that's a dumber way to do it. I like the ambiguity of this movie and I like... Yeah. Because then it makes it to where like I can come up with a theory and you can come up with that. I like that yeah. idea a lot, though. That makes yeah. us, that's another
1: layer, like you said. Well, and especially because if he puts the end uh, as the last shot or if we, just, we know for sure that it is a made-up story, it totally robs the idea of all of the themes that we had built up about why Casey is acting the way she is. Like she is a real person engaging with the internet in a very lonely state looking for mother figures. um, Like that woman that was shushing her to sleep, Mm -hmm. looking for father figures in JLB, um, looking for friends, other people playing this game, engaging with their videos and hoping that other people watch hers. It would completely sap all of this out because it was just like, Oh, it's a good story, huh? But I yeah. think that this really leaving it ambiguous makes it feel like everything is real and absolutely something that could have happened in uh, some ways. And I think that's the thing is like when it's mundane like this, how far off from reality is this? Right, right.
0: Yeah. Speaking of like not real, were you guys caught off guard by the fact, you know, at the, towards the end, Casey just, just says, like, she, you know, she says like this is a am just acting like this are just videos. Like I was never going to do any of this.
2: No, I was like pleasantly relieved, not like relieved, but I was like, oh, well, so it made me think about everything else she'd done as meaning something a little bit more like her little tarot. So this kind of ties into JLB, too. But like her tarot card reading, I was like, oh, she's doing a reading on JLB. Oh, exactly. Because yeah. She's like, you're anxious and creepy, and you don't really have control over me, and I'm going to do whatever I want.
0: I love that. She's like, oh, you think you're in charge? You yeah, can just come like in, you're not. You can just come in and be in charge? Like, yeah, it's absolutely about JLB.
2: Yeah, so at the end, I have her be like, oh yeah, I was just playing. It's like... Like, how mu- the confusing part is, like, how much does she really believe that she was playing, like, the whole time? And, like, yeah, where does the... Again, where's the line? Where's the line be- mm-hmm. between reality and what's going on in the internet? Where is her own personal line between I have power and I'm helpless? Because she's obviously helpless in her real life. Nobody's connecting with her. Yeah. So I was, like, kind of happy because I'm, like, oh, she she does get it. You're like, right. she, like kid, kids and teenagers are are a lot smarter than we think they are they're not always just going to get sucked in on the internet like they do kind of know what they're doing
1: i but they also get sucked in yeah i kind of disagree i think she was just telling him that so she'd leave him so he'd leave her alone i I think she was going to kill herself and i think that's also implied by the fact that she goes to the uh that he uh, I guess, you know, we don't she know for enough. sure because he's the one that tells us that she went to a uh, mental health um, facility for a few months. So right. I guess we don't know. For she sure, could have been
2: playing like, and just been like, yeah, I'm done with this game now.
1: Yeah. Or maybe she actually did kill herself and he just decided to write the end of it.
0: All right. This conversation went a little longer than I was expecting. I, I think it'd be better if we split this one up into two parts. Uh, it. Feels like we just have a lot more to say about this movie than I think we went into it originally. So uh, with that, we're going to wrap this one up. I just want to thank Calvin for being on as always. It's been my pleasure. And Katya, thank you for being here.
2: Yes, thank you.
0: And please join us for part two of We're All Going to the World's Fair. Uh, And with that, uh, you can find our podcast on any platform like Apple Music or Spotify. Uh, We also upload all these to YouTube. Uh, So go ahead and leave a comment. Tell us what we're doing well. Tell us what we're doing wrong. And uh, if you have any suggestions for movies we can do in the future, uh, go ahead and leave it in the comments. And with that, thank you for listening to Now This Is Podcasting.